Greetings and welcome to another episode of the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast series. Podcast episodes are available on many popular podcast hosting sites, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher, among others, and at www.vhha.com. Episodes of the podcast also air each Saturday at noon and Sunday at 10 a.m. on 100.5 FM, 92.7 FM, and 8.20 a.m. across Central Virginia. Please send any questions, comments, or feedback to pcfpodcast at vhha.com. Again, that is pcfpodcast at vhha.com. And with that, today we're joined by Crystal Moyers, the Director of Community Outreach at Augusta Health, for a conversation about two programs the Shenandoah Valley Hospital helps orchestrate to provide people in need with nutritious food options. So welcome to the program, Crystal. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Well, we appreciate you being with us today. And let's start by discussing the two programs I just alluded to that are overseen by the Augusta Health Foundation. One is the Get Fresh program, which is a collaborative effort that works with local schools to help students in need with healthy nutrition. The other is the Newer Crop to Community program initiated during the COVID-19 pandemic. If you would, Crystal, tell us about those two initiatives. Yes, absolutely. So both are funded by the Augusta Health Community Benefit Endowment and overseen by the Community Partnership Committee of Augusta Health. And I'll start with our Get Fresh program. So this is a really fun program that initiated out of our community health needs assessment and the diabetes priority area. And quickly had to pivot, as you can imagine, um, given given COVID-19. But in its original state, it was a program that had several components. One was classroom education. We partner with Virginia Cooperative Extension to utilize their classroom fresh foods and vegetable curriculum, which is a really fun, short curriculum that the teachers can plug into the classrooms. It just takes a couple minutes a day and then leaves the kids with some some fun tidbits on where fruits and vegetables may be originated from or different fun facts about fruits and veggies they can take home and share with their families. And then we also incorporated some fun tastings along with that that happened in the classroom. So the, the teachers got really engaged in that and started doing things like smoothies or little tastings in the classrooms with the kindergartners that were doing these this curriculum, as well as cafeteria tastings. And these cafeteria tastings were a little bit more in-depth and were open to the entire school of the elementary school age children, not just for the kindergartners that were doing the curriculum. And these were sponsored by Project Grows, which is a local nonprofit that's focused on teaching children how to learn how about healthy eating. And then to kind of complement the food tastings, we did field trips to Project Grows. So the day before the tastings from Project Grows, the kids had field trips out to Project Grows Farm, and they got to actually harvest the food that would be they would be tasting the next day in the cafeteria. And then the third component really pulled in the family or the household unit. And this was another program of Virginia Cooperative Extension. It's called Families Food and Fun. And so the parents got to come out and along with the kids and they got to cook a meal together. And the kids got to make like a healthy dessert or side salad or something along those lines. And the parents came together and learned how to make a new recipe that was healthy. And food was sent home um, from Blue Ridge Area Food Bank, including those ingredients and the recipe. The really cool aspect for me was that everybody got to sit down around the table and eat together. And for some of these families, that doesn't happen very often. So that was a really cool component and a really neat thing to see happening all at one time. So that's kind of a synopsis of Get Fresh. And then if you would tell us about the Crop to Community program as well. 
Absolutely. So Crop for Community, as as you alluded to, grows out of COVID-19. So, and, and looking at the need for food access and food insecurity in our community. So absolutely, food needs were in our community beforehand, but then with unemployment rates rising and, and just people having needs to, to stock up on foods because of not being able to go out to the grocery store or, or wanting to avoid being out and about, it became amplified. And at the same time, we were seeing, especially at the very onset of COVID-19, supply chain disruption. So farmers, local farmers, not being able to get their product to pools or restaurants because they were shut down. And we really wanted to do something about both of those needs, the farmers not being able to get their product out and sometimes it was going bad or um, because they weren't produce was, you know, um, ready for harvest, but there was nowhere to send it. And then people were, were hungry and didn't have the money to buy the food that they needed, especially fresh, healthy foods. So we decided to come up with a program called Crops to Community, where we engaged the local farmers and brought produce from several local farms, aggregated it and packaged it and delivered it to the doorstop. So it was contactless with some of our community members who um, we identified as having a high need for food and especially healthy, fresh produce. So we, we aggregated produce and local meats and eggs and deliver those to the doorstop. So about 50 excuse me, community members per week. And we've been doing the program for about 20 weeks now. And so all in all, we've reached a little over 3,000 people. Well, that sounds like a really great success. And as I understand it, it's sort of a win-win because it's beneficial, not just for the families in need of food supply, but also of the farmers, as you mentioned, who had wares to sell to market that because of the pandemic, that their normal pathways of commerce were interrupted. Absolutely. And that was something we wanted to really come up with a solution for addressing both of those needs. And we have um, the AMI farm here at Augusta Health. And so that was a supplier of a lot of our produce. But we were fortunate that we have some great relationships with some other farmers in the community, both nonprofit and for-profit farms, that we were quickly able to put together this program in about a week, week and a half, so we could serve a lot of our community members and really rise quickly to meet the need that we, we saw in the community. And, you know, the thing is that, as I said, this isn't a need that just arose out of COVID. It was there before COVID and will be here long after COVID is just a memory. So um, we hope that we're able to continue this program. In addition to the produce, we also include a recipe with ingredients that are included in the weekly food box. And we also include information about how they can connect to our local food bank, which is the Blue Ridge Area Food Bank. So hopefully can get connected to a sustainable source of food. And I understand that just recently, the Get Fresh program was awarded a $100,000 grant from the U.S. Department of Agriculture to help further expand the program, which, as you mentioned, began a couple years ago in 2018. Crystal, if you would, can you talk about how that funding will help grow and expand the program? Absolutely. So we're so excited and thankful for the USDA grant that will allow us to expand this program. And so one of the dreams of our partners in this program, specifically the Waynesboro Public Schools where we have this program um, currently, is to take this program mobile. Because what we see in the schools is that a lot of students eat the majority of their meals at school. And unfortunately, sometimes when they're not in school, they do not eat. So for instance, during the summer or on winter break or spring break or on snow days, they're not getting the nutrients that they need. Now, fortunately, we have programs like the backpack programs and things like that. But if there's unexpected closures like snow days, they may not be getting the meals they need. And, and now with things like COVID, we've um, had to pivot quickly. The schools have pivoted quickly to do um, things like meal distributions to the homes. 
So the Get Fresh program grant will allow us to have a mobile feeding unit that will allow us to take some programming around healthy eating and diabetes prevention out and about into the community, which will be fabulous, but it will also allow us to do meal distributions as well. So it will be like a learning laboratory and kitchen but it will also allow us to do some mobile feeding as well. And programs like Get Fresh and Crop to Community, they're more than just feel-good initiatives. They make a real difference, as you mentioned, in the lives of people who need help. But beyond that, they can also have a real impact on community health. As you know, Crystal, there's a considerable healthcare emphasis on population health and the social and environmental factors that can be truly determinative in health outcomes. And addressing upstream factors like inadequate access to nutritious foods can have a real downstream effect and be critical in improving overall health. I know Augusta Health is focused on this in a number of different ways, including the programs we're talking about, as well as through what you mentioned earlier, the community health needs assessment surveys as a few examples. Can you explain how these kinds of nutrition-oriented programs and other things that Augusta Health does sort of fit into that broader image about elevating overall health? Absolutely. So we know that only a small percentage of health outcomes are actually around physical well-being, that most of health outcomes are actually around other, as you said, health factors um, like your social needs and environmental needs and things that are around like food access and your housing situation and education, all of those things. And so we really are trying to look upstream and focus on those issues here at Augusta Health, not just looking at healthcare within the four walls of the hospital, but what we can do out in the community to really make an impact on your health preventatively and really affect social determinants of health in other ways. And so we have, our programs are aligned with with our community health needs assessment and the priorities that have been identified with those, which are access to healthcare services, which is obviously huge when it comes to affecting your long-term health and, and the health of our community. Diabetes, behavioral health, which includes substance abuse, as well as nutrition and physical activity. But we want to take it a little bit of a step further and look at all those upstreams. So when we're looking at nutrition, for instance, we want to look at, at access and food access and things along those lines. And we have a collaborative now that's focusing in on homelessness and housing. So those kind of issues are really important for us to really get at community health. And as you said, the bigger picture of population health and is a huge focus of Augusta Health. Well, I appreciate you sharing that broader perspective there. Before we go, Crystal, I have a few other questions I'd like to ask you to give listeners a bit of a sense of who you are beyond the work that you do. And to start with, we're actually going to debut a new question with you, Crystal. What oh, is, great. What is the one hobby that you secretly wish you could try or had time to pursue? And I'll give you a personal example. When I was in college, I took a fencing class and loved it. And I've always sort of fantasized about, you know, joining a fencing club, but never had the time to do it. What would be your example like that? Um, surfing. I would love to learn how to surf. I'm one um, have never lived close enough to the water to be able to do it and do it regularly enough to get good at it. And also, I've also been too embarrassed at failing and looking um, like an idiot. Um, I don't like to do things and not do them well, even the very first time. Um, so that's always been a, uh, stopped me from trying. But I um, was just recently near the water and watched people surf and it, it stirred that again in me. So would love to learn how to surf. Well, keep that on your bucket list. And I, <laughs> and I, I can relate. I'm, I'm someone who is a perfectionist who likes to get things right the first time. The next question for you, Crystal, is what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Um, I would say it's probably along the lines of what you just spoke about, about being a perfectionist, um, about someone who can be a very hardcore perfectionist. 
you know, it's, it's don't let perfection be the enemy of good is sometimes that we need to get things done and it doesn't always have to be perfect. That is good advice indeed. Now, I would like to ask you, and this is an entirely imaginary premise, but in the hypothetical scenario that you could anticipate your last day on earth, what would you want your last meal to be? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> you have to choose this one thing that's so hard. Um, you, can, you, can, you can pick several things. <laughs> it's your last meal. Um, <laughs> probably, um, I think we don't allow ourselves to truly respond to what our bodies truly want enough in this and be mindful of what we're, our bodies are really telling us that we are hungry for enough in our society. And we follow a structure of what meals are supposed to be, quote, quote, in our society, which uh, means that we don't often enough eat dessert first. And so I would just have dessert. And for me, that would probably mean chocolate, chocolate something, probably chocolate ice cream of some form. Okay. Any toppings on that? Yeah, like chunks of cookie dough and brownie and all the good stuff. Okay, that sounds really good. And then finally, if you were stranded on a deserted island, we'd like to know what one book, one album, and one movie you would take with you to keep yourself company, to keep yourself occupied. We will spot you a copy of the religious text of your choice. So other than that, what one book, one album, and one movie would be part of your entertainment survival kit? Oh, my goodness. These are great questions as I'm buying myself time. Um, <laughs> I would probably have to go with, okay, let me do music first. So music, I would say Alabama. Okay. Because I have to have Song of the South. Can you tell I'm a, a country girl at heart? Song, Song of the South, sweet potato pie, and I shut my mouth. And then... For book, I would say The Alchemist. And if you've never read that, I have not. That I'm, I'm, I'm to, familiar with it, but I've not read it. Then that needs to be on your on your bucket list okay. for if you haven't read that. Um, and then movie. Um, I'm trying to think of like the all time favorite movies as a child that I would have to have. This is so random, but I'm gonna have to go with Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Okay, I remember that movie. So that's my three. Okay. Well, listen, I appreciate you sharing those picks with us. And on that note, that brings us to the close of another episode of the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast. If you like what you heard, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcast and subscribe so that you know when new episodes are available. And we'd like to thank our guest, Crystal Moyers, for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you all.